welcome to the 15-minute juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. Hey, Mike. Uh, good evening and welcome to another episode of the 15-Minute Juice uh, different location. You can see I'm in my lanai tonight. I'm super sporting my Kaler cores uh, with, with two yeah. of them. So, yeah. Yeah. So Bob will be happy to see that I am using them while I'm, I'm down here. And uh, it's the new yeah. model and the old model. The, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The aluminum and the, fiberglass. That's right. That's right. Um, so I think tonight we're going to pass it to you because you're kind of doing a, a case study with a, with a group through Ivy, which is like a sports performance group. And they did a case study on a, on a question. And um, so I think you're going to kind of just dive in a little bit more about that tonight. So kind of talk about the question and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. So here's a situation. This came from uh, one of the therapists. <clears throat> um, down uh, in Jersey, uh, an athlete that he was seeing. So they see a high athletic population anywhere from pro collegiate high school. And <clears throat> this is 18 year old female D1 lacrosse athlete, uh, eight months status post left uh, ACL con uh, uh, reconstruction, uh, bone to bone autograft, historically with uncomplicated recovery has been excelling in her stage milestones, um, had been rehabbing at college over the last three months, so just keep that in mind, had been doing modified conditioning with her team about one month ago. We had to keep that in mind what the modified conditioning is. And after bouts of straight line sprinting, her knee had a lot of swelling and pain. Since this bout of pain, her knee has been painful with extension beyond zero degrees. Now this is an individual who normally gets hyperextension. So um, available extension motion was four degrees hyperextension and uninvolved side was six. So she gets a nice little, you know, uh, excessive extension there. So the fact that she yep. can't get beyond zero, she's definitely, uh, you know, guarded getting into her normal range. Um, you know, he did a bunch of, you know, testing and just finding it very tender at the, you know, the uh, tibial tubercle, you know, around where the graft site is, you know, the scar, kind of that port where they drill up through the tibia really just, you know, around that proximal tibia area, um, you know, and then uh, really anteriorly focused pain with extension, probably seven out of 10 pain. Um, 
And, you know, some of the muscle function looks like it, it still seems pretty solid. Um, but uh, really, that's the biggest thing. You know, he did some of this other testing and stuff and just kind of seeing some localized fat pad aggravation and just stuff very localized to that anterior knee. So he posted that question into the group um, for people to kind of chime in on their thoughts on it. And I thought it was a great um, situation to talk about because we see that. And right away, I picked up on some uh, red flags there. And uh, I think there's some some things that we should talk about, especially um, because this would be somebody who would be most likely in your program with the sports rehab at eight months and what they would look like at eight months, you know, and what these red flags are that we're seeing here. And, and you know, what's interesting when, you know, you're saying the eight months, what I'm thinking back to is generally between the six and eight month mark is when they're doing the return to running progressions. Right. And if I'm seeing any setback, I don't even want to call them setbacks. Let's call them speed bumps. That's typically where I'm seeing that. And, and I think the reason why, in my opinion, is that that's when they're really starting to do a lot more hamstring work, right? Single leg hamstring work. And then combined with the actual running, that maybe there's kind of some guarding. Now, again, with all the things that you mentioned there, uh, her being away at school for three months, her doing a conditioning program. What do those things look like? You know, did she hit the check marks, you know, and the milestones at the points where we would feel as though in our program that the athlete is hitting? Um, but I would probably say uh, in that situation, just a, a hypothesis would be probably too early on with the sprinting. She may be able to run, but maybe they went into sprinting with her hamstring got aggravated and now there's guarding on the hamstring which is then causing some of that that um that discomfort perhaps in the front of the knee i'll pass it back to you and you can kind of put your two cents in yeah i mean here's here's the red flag here so uh rehabbing at college over the last three months so let's take that back so now we're at seven six five so it's actually earlier, you know, because at this point when she returned probably for winter break, uh, she's seeing him at the eight months. So what was going on those last three months, um, you know, and been doing modified conditioning. So what is what does that consist of, you know, and that's been for about one month, you know, and bouts of straight line sprinting. So. You know, right. So there's swelling. the there's the word there to me, you know, right. We have we have our jog, we have our run and we have sprinting. Right. So if we're jogging and running, which typically when the athlete comes into the program and they're able to, to, to start to demonstrate that through the alter G and some of the impact control stuff that we do, then we start to have them run in 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 ratios. Right. I do like a a, a 10 to or a one to five where they run in 10 seconds, walk in 50 seconds, and they'll do that for a duration of time. And then we'll quickly start to build that and lower that, that ratio. And then they'll get into doing more running, which is your, you know, hundred meter, 200 meter, 400 meter type of runs. Then once they're able to do all that stuff, when they get into that, like later in that nine and 10, 11 month mark, 
that's when I would probably see more of my athletes in our program doing more of the sprinting work. So uh, I, I would just say that's probably a little bit, a little immature or premature, I should say, um, that, that these things are happening. And again, we've seen this, and this is not knocks on colleges or anything like that. You know, I, I just find that, that when these athletes get there, maybe they're not getting the, the one-on-one attention that they get when they're in our program. Um, there is a tendency for these athletes to get kind of pushed back a little faster once they're there, you know, and maybe just the, um, the lack of maybe the knowledge on the ACL rehab end of things could be, you know, some of the reasons why these things are happening as well. Yeah. You know, right away I, I looked at running mechanics. So, you know, I will introduce them to running drills throughout the rehab, especially once single leg patterns improve and the single leg RDL pattern improves. You know, we, we like to do the uh, quattro on the Kaler core. They do a prone uh, quadruped arm and pull where the foot is locked into one edge and they have to pull through to get that dorsiflexion, hip flexion, and then a prone hamstring curl. Um, give them some similar things to do at home on the app. You know, we have some things like the resisted mountain climber, you know, um, elbow to knee work, and then, you know, prone hamstring work, but then doing the runner pulls, which is really hard for them, where they are strapped into the column core and they start with a wall assist and they yeah. have to pull up to get that hip flexion, dorsiflexion, drive through for the swing through phase, as well as the hamstring curls, which a lot of them have never done, actually activated that hamstring in standing with good pelvis control without right. lumbar extension. And then, you know, there's some runner drills where we have them doing, you know, one's hands pushing against the wall with the Versaloop driving up, you know, there's a couple of like TRX drills that we use. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the impact control, the bounding, but that's much different with, you know, getting them to replicate that in the alter G and getting used to that reciprocal pattern, but then with the ground reaction forces. So when they're actually running up and down a turf, what's happening with the impact and when they land, you know, how much collapse, you know, is going on? Is there corkscrewing, adduction, internal rotation at the femur and the pelvis? You know, what do they look like when they're actually doing that? And then what happens when they're getting tired, you know, right. or, you know, if they're doing the sprinting, you know, is, is that velocity just too much for them to handle? And that's kind of the really cool thing we could do with the Dorsa V testing is you could get a running assessment. So you could do the 50 yard acceleration, deceleration and see what's happening symmetrically between the legs. Yep. You know, how much contact time, how much ground reaction force, initial peak acceleration. And then that'll kind of curtail some of your drills and stuff. And those are like things that we can also, you know, even give to Alex, you know, um, the A coach under you, uh, you know, to do some of those things, to fine tune some of those, you know, um, push off mechanics, some of those landing mechanics. And then, um, you know, the, the testing just gives us a little bit more of an idea of like, what is going on and what type of things we have to focus on. So that's probably what's happening. There's getting too much force onto that, you know, uh, onto that leg with the landing, you know, and even with the push off, maybe the way she pushes off, there's something weird going on there. So um, it looks like it just needs to be dialed back, you know, and in those specific movements and shapes, she has to get more stable, you know, because that's one thing to have the quads and hamstrings firing in that isolated position, which is why, the biodex testing is an outdated metric, you know, because they need to be functioning properly in these shapes and positions, you know, such as running. Right. Hey, you know what, too? Um, we're kind of in the same situation right now. We have an athlete that, that just came back. She's about going into her eight month uh, mark right now. 
similar away at school and she's back now. I think the biggest thing that, that we'll probably face and that this PT is facing is that you have this athlete now home for four or five weeks and you'll start to give them these things. And then you're going to rely on them either doing this back at school or then giving this program to the athletic trainer or the physical therapist or whatever at the school. And they might say, you know what, screw that. We're not doing that. Like this is the stuff that you're doing here, you know, and they revert back to, you know, what they were doing and, and you're kind of reversing what you've just tried to, you know, reverse from the athlete coming back. So that was actually a discussion I just had with a parent you know, what are you looking for from me moving forward with our online program that how we can help you once, you know, she goes back to school, because I don't know how receptive the school school is going to be, you know, with them doing something, you know, through our program, you know, um, I wish that we could all play in the, in the sandbox, you know, nicely together. I, I, I mean, we haven't reached out, so I don't know. It, it's something that I'll definitely do over the winter break is I'll reach out to the school and, and see how we can kind of help out and you know, let them know what we've been doing with the athlete here. Uh, but that sounds like what's going to happen here is, you know, even, even with this athlete being home, it's going to still come down to what can we do to, you know, get this athlete uh, with better running mechanics, better mechanics, because you're right. That's what a lot of this sounds like is – it sounds like something mechanical and they just went too soon into that next phase of, of that running. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also think <clears throat> the athletes are going to have to advocate for themselves too. Um, I, I think it would be obviously really, you know, immature and crazy. I mean, some of these coaches can be a little crazy to not allow an athlete to do their own stuff. You know, it's one thing that the athlete is not saying they want to participate in team stuff. But if they're doing their own things at home, so say they're logged in into your program and they're taking time on their end to practice those foundational things, then that stuff will help, you know, translate into the stuff that the coach is asking them to do, you know, and when they are prescribing lifting programs, now they're better educated on how to lunge properly, squat properly, do things properly. And then, you know, the coaches might have them do some things like, you know, there's probably some core stuff in there that they're going to do like crunches and Russian twists and stuff if the athlete's doing the stuff that's prescribed them to your program or things to their understanding, to their knowledge, that's better, then they're going to have a better foundation that they'll be able to do, you know, those things. Well, you have them do a couple sets of Russian twists or crunches or whatever, because the coach thinks that that's going to get them better. Okay. That's not going to do so much damage. It's a damage when that's all the athletes doing and they're not doing any other core stuff, you know, but at least if they have that foundation. Yeah. You can get away with doing some of that other, you know, circus act stuff, I call it, which is fine. Right. You know, um, but, you know, I, I would never, you know, see if a coach, you know, if they're, if they're doing the right things, oh, it's only going to help them do the running stuff that the coach prescribes. And then they can always say, well, why aren't you going fast enough? Say, because, you know, I feel like there's some pain coming on or something like that. And if a coach is getting him saying, well, I want you to like push through the pain or run faster no matter what, that's a red flag. And the athlete will have to speak up and say, I can't do that right now. I'm having pain, you know? Yep. I mean... Yeah, there has to be a fine line here where, you know, I don't think a coach would really do that to an athlete and be like, look, you know, I'm working through the progressions and say, all right, well, if I can't get to this speed or this intensity, then we'll, we'll work on this, you know, we'll build it up. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we've run into this a, a couple different times. We just had an athlete um, at the end of the summer going back to playing football. Um, 
coach wasn't thrilled with what, you know, the athletic trainer pulled him out of practice. So they felt as though they needed to, to do some calisthenics and some extracurricular work on the sideline while the other, you know, while the rest of the team was practicing. Uh, we don't know for sure, but right shortly after that, the, the athlete complained that they were having knee pain in the surgical knee that they had come to find out that he had retorn his meniscus. So he was out for the remainder of the football season. Uh, you know, again, the coaches need to understand that, you know, we're there for them as well, just like the parent and the athlete where we're trying to educate them. We're bringing things to the forefront that haven't really been talked about in this new light, you know? So we are seeing some, you know, resistance and some push against us, but I'm very confident in, in the people that we've surrounded ourselves with and the information that we're gathering that, that we're not just, you know, bringing hocus pocus here and trying to, you know, um, uh, hoodwink, you know, parents and things like that, you know, like this is, this is really a, a, about educating the masses, you know, like we said in the beginning of it, you know, in the intro, it's, it's really about that finding the, the, the latest topics and the things that are out there. And this is a great, you know, case study that kind of brings us, um, the reason why we do this in the first place is, is that it's just really about, you know, um, finding these things. Every, every situation is going to be different, right? So it's, it's finding, you know, uh, the common things that are happening and, and bring them to light and see if we can get answers for the parent. So uh, I think it's a great question. Yeah. I mean, look, if what was working, you know, if what was going on was working, then ACL tears wouldn't be a national epidemic. So um, I don't know what the pushback is. The pushback is probably a pride thing. You know, the pushback is, you know, there could be, you know, trainers or, or coaches that, that, you know, they have their pride and, and they're hurt that maybe what they're doing is not working. So they don't want to accept it or they want to just blame it on something else. You know, maybe the athlete, you know, got injured because of other stuff or, they don't want to accept that it's because it has to do with their programming and maybe there's foundational things to, to be, you know, put in, you know, or, you know, whatever. Um, but obviously, you know, the injuries are happening. They're happening at a younger age. It's a problem. And we're trying to, you know, implement things that are going to help bend this curve, you know? So, I mean, the pushback is really silly because it's not like we're trying to like, you know, pull kids off the field or like stop you know, the sport altogether is something we're trying to help them get better because at the end, you know, after this, they should be coming back better. They're going to be a better athlete, you know, because right. now they saw the weak links and they should be working on it. They should come back better than before, you know, and who doesn't want their athlete to come back better, you know, and effectively who wants to have an athlete come back and continue to have pain and have a long road to getting back onto the field. You want them to get back as efficiently as possible. So you know, I don't know why there would be pushback. I mean, but uh, we do get it. You know, um, I think when you have conversations sometimes with team trainers and stuff, they they say that they're open to having discussion. But I noticed in a lot of the emails and discussions have multiple schools. It's like they they seem to have everything in place. And oh, yeah, we got that covered and we do this and like this pride thing. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, but we're still seeing massive terrorists coming from your programs and right. the kids are still getting hurt. And yet, you know, like, I mean, there was one 
girl that you sent to me that, you know, went, you know, back because she couldn't get into PT a lot. And they went and worked with the trainer at the school and I emailed the trainer and that was a perfect example. You know, I was like, we got this covered. We got all this and we're going to do it. I'm like, okay. I mean, this is, you know, this girl's on her, you know, second ACL tear and now she's having back pain. Like, I think if, if you were doing the right things, this shouldn't be happening, you know, and she's not the right. only athlete. So at some point you have to turn around and like take responsibility and be like, what's going on here? Because more and more parents now are really waking up too and saying, this doesn't seem right. Like what is going on here? And they're picking up on it that, you know, well, first of all, they're picking up on PT that's in, inefficient. They look at it and they're saying, this isn't getting my kid better. Or, this is a waste of time. Or, you know, this is just going in the corner and doing BS exercises. Or they're picking up on coaches that aren't really in tune with the players, you know. So, I mean, it's starting to come to light more. And especially with more of these things like podcasts and the social media groups of people talking and networking. It's going to be really hard to cover it up. So coaches and, and trainers and PTs, we're all going to have to have answers for what's going on, you know. You can't just keep brushing it off. Well, you're right. I mean, and I think that that's, you know, where we're coming into this. It, it's the passion, you know, and I, I explain it to parents all the time that this isn't, you know, your typical physical therapist that, that you have here. This is someone that, that gets on the phone and speaks after hours and talks about like there's 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 passion. But you're not just in there collecting a paycheck. Right. You have you have a vested interest in these kids. And you don't want to see them hurt. Just like, I don't want to see them hurt. You're a parent yourself. I'm a parent, you know, so we, we don't, the last thing you want to do is you want to see your child hurt. Right. You know, right. Um, but at the same time, like I still question some of these parents and the decisions that they're making, bringing these kids back sooner, you know, um, like we've talked about on, on several different podcasts, you know, what are we, what are we doing this for? What is the, actual risk and reward that we're that you know that we're chasing after you know that 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 carrot you know like again parents saying like yes it is worth you know putting their kid back at seven months to get that scholarship because that's their only way to get to this you know into that d1 school you know i'm sorry that's just not where i'm thinking with my kid you know there's division two and there's division three you know make sure that they have grants and, and and other types of scholarships to you know to to get into those type of programs it's not all just about d1 programming you know and um it's just crazy to see all these these comments and things coming out but i mean that's why we're doing this you know uh was there anything else that you want to kind of touch on with with, with that case study no, I mean, I think that was it. I think it's just, you know, kind of looking at what's going on with these specific type of, of you know, movements and, and positions and really analyzing the athlete, you know, in the demands. And that that's kind of, I think, where a lot of the, the rehab is going to be progressing is, you know, looking at that. And, you know, it's a shame that insurance companies, you know, won't really cover a lot of this stuff, you know. Um, they don't respect, you know, the ability for a, a, a teenager or, or a kid or anybody to get back to doing, you know, performance stuff. I mean, it's wild. I mean, even an adult that wants to get back to running, they just refuse. They don't want to cover that. It's very hard to cover. Everything's about function. Well, can they go up the stairs and tie their shoes without pain? And can they sit on the toilet or do whatever? But people need to be active and do stuff. It's, it's just, it's so asinine the way the healthcare system is. So unfortunately it's going to come down to where people will have to sometimes pay out of pocket you know, to, to get the care that they need and, and to, 
get back to where they need to be because insurance won't value it. So yeah. if they're paying out of pocket, then what are you doing with them that they're paying money for, you know, to, to get back to where they need to be? Like, what does that program look like? What does the education look like? You know, and, you know, they're doing the right thing. So um, that's what it comes down to. It's going to come down to, you know, really more aggressive programming, you know, um, testing, you know, using whatever technology we have to track, you know, progress. And uh, it's just going to be a whole shift, whole shift, yeah. you know, and, and utilizing all these great things that we, we have at our resource, you know, um, to try to help out. So it's, it's going to be a, you know, a big change, you know, a culture. I think a lot of the professions are going to be changing from the way things have been over the past 20 years, you know, especially as we enter into 2023 and moving forward. So um, it's exciting, but it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. But I think with the right people and, and the right, you know, culture, um, you can make that impact. I, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, this was, like I said, another great case study. So, um, you know, let's, let's revisit another great question uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate your time, man. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Right. Talk to you soon. All right.